Let's take a look at buy lows and sell highs across the NBA for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I'm going to drop a new rap album that's going to take over from Ben Shapiro. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Go ahead and give it a thumb up. I know you already have, so that's well done. Thank you. Uh, subscribe, notification bell, uh, five-star reviews, but also trade deadline show Thursday, February 8th, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go ahead and pre-bang the video. It's up the top here. You can check that out on the video side. Uh, you'll find it on the YouTube channel. We're going live 1 p.m. to talk about uh, NBA trades. We're here to talk about a different sort of trade here, fantasy trades, but again, again, Standard disclaimer, fast forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it, although who am I kidding? It won't be 30 seconds. Um, you don't have to trade players. If you've got a guy who is a sell high, you can just write it out. If there is a player who is a buy low player, you do not have to go and acquire them. If you can get value on those deals, you do it. Part of this is just also showing where guys are rolling, which isn't likely to continue, or guys that are struggling, which isn't likely to continue as well understanding that if you've got those players in your team, you're going to have some changes in their valuation. So you, you can make trades. You don't have to make trades. I know that people froth trades, but you just don't have to do them. It's about finding the right spot and the right value in all of these situations and understanding the context behind anything that gets said or mentioned or talked about or whatever that we need to do here. So I think I already chucked that graphic up on the screen, but we'll do it again right now. Let's go back to what we did in week 13. Two weeks ago, we had, um, I think we only had nine. Yeah, we only had nine buy low slash sell highs that week. So let's see how many of those we got right. You can drop your guesses down in the comments and see how it went. All right, so on the buy low side, we looked at Cam Johnson. He was 256th. Since then, he's been 154th. Won't say that that's particularly awesome, but it is a significant improvement. He was much better last game with Ben Simmons. Um... I'm still looking at him as maybe not even a, not a must-roster player. Like you can have him, but it's a very specific set of skills, obviously, that uh, doesn't work for every team. And in points leagues, the value is much lower. But he did look better last game, but an improvement. Maximum Derek White was 135th. He is up to 72nd since then, and I wouldn't even say he's been dominating in that two-week time frame. I think obviously that top 20 run for him at the start of the season was insane and not going to continue. It hasn't. I think the realistic view for him is like 50th onwards. Scott Barnes was 91st. He's 15th since then. In that time frame, Pascal Siakam was traded, which I didn't know was going to happen. Um, but that's obviously helped his value, but it was pretty obvious he was going to jump up from 91st. LeBron was 55th. He's 19th now, so that's a big step forward from LeBron. And Anthony Simons was 116th up to 70th. So even though Simons has struggled, or seemingly struggled the last couple of weeks, it's been an improvement. I still think there's probably a little bit more there from Simons, but not a huge um, a huge jump forward is necessarily coming. I think 70 is probably about realistic for him. On the um, uh, By the way, that's five out of five for that. 
for the Sal Highs. Isaiah Hartenstein was 18th. He's 101st since then. Of course, I didn't know that he was going to get hurt or be on a minutes limit when he came back. So while that is a W, the 101 is not a real number for Hartenstein. That is due to the fact that he has been on those minutes limits the last couple of games, but he was never going to stick as a top 20 player. Um, Colin Sexton was 29th. He's down to 90th. Rowan Barrett was 54th. He's down to 110th. Yes, he wasn't able to continue the run that he was on. And I still think that 110 might end up being a little bit too high in category leagues for him. And the other one was Larry Markkinen, who was 13th, and he's down to 43rd. So in the end, all of those ones worked out with pretty significant margins between what they had done versus what they've done since. Uh, and that's huge. But again, you didn't have to trade away them. You didn't have to acquire those players. It's more about understanding the ebbs and flows and not getting too caught up in what's just happened. Because again, once it's happened, it's happened. It doesn't necessarily mean that it transfers across um, into um, everything that, that we do moving forward. So let's start with our buy lows now for week 15. We are looking here at Michael Ponder Jr. of the Denver Nuggets. In the last two weeks, it has not been particularly strong for Porter. 160th in minus one rankings, 141st over on the old Yahoo. He's 147th in points leagues, averaging 13, 6.5, and 0.4 assists. That is a putrid number. Two threes, 0.4 steals, 0.4 blocks. He's gone the old Ryan Anderson, except, uh, yeah, that is the Ryan Anderson. 0.4 steals, 0.4 blocks, 0.4 assists. He's got 1.2 combined of those. That's a real Ryan Anderson. He's shooting 46 from the field. He's shooting 36 from three and 78% from the line. And those numbers, again, like they don't look that outrageous compared to what he normally does. So let's dig in what the issue is. Well, where are the shots? 18 usage over his last seven games. Is he a huge usage player? No. He's at 20% for the season, but on a team that was basically the same last season, he was able to roll with 23 usage. This season, he's at 20 usage, again, which is still higher than 18.3, but he was 23 last season. So I think when we look at Porter, there is going to be a stretch that when he's feeling a little bit more confident, we are going to see a run of 23, 24, 25 usage, and he really jumps up a lot from here. His shooting numbers, what Michael Porter is, is an elite three-point shooter. We don't count that 21-22 season because he had a back injury, played nine games where he shot 20% from three. Like that's a small sample of an injury, whatever. But the season before that, he shot 46% from three. Last season, he shot 41% from three. This season, he's at 40% from three. The last seven games, he's at under 36% from three. And that's really what it comes down to. If he starts going back to 40, 41, um, that'll improve his points, improve his threes, it'll improve his usage, it'll improve his minutes. Maybe not minutes, but everything else jumps up. And at some point, he's got to luck into more than you know, two assists over the last seven games, which is what I believe he is. Let me double check. Sorry, he's had three assists, three steals, and three blocks over his last seven games. Like, you will probably luck into five or six in your next seven games of each of those, maybe not blocks, but each of those, and all that just pushes back up. But it's not good for him at the moment. People do get obsessed by ranks, or they get obsessed by scoring sometimes. So he's outside the top 100, and he has been for the last two months or so. I think you can get him very easily for a top 110 sort of a player. He will have a run where he's running at top 70, maybe top 50, honestly. There will be a little period of time. I don't know what that'll be. And that's where you, then you turn that into a sell high. So I don't think you need to give up much to get Michael Porter at the moment. And there are pretty clear indicators that there's going to be some turnaround in his production. We'll go to Phoenix next. And we'll go to Brad Beal, who is back from injury. Thank God. It's been such a frustrating season. He's only played 23 games. Um, he's not playing well, though. 137th in minus one per game over the last two weeks, which does incorporate eight games. He's 113th on Yahoo, 31 fantasy points, which is 83rd, 
averaging 16, 4.9, and 5.1. And one of the things I talked about a lot in the preseason was that the guy who's the third guy in the big three is usually the one that takes the significant hit. We've seen Durant and Booker have small hits at times, although Booker's not really taking a hit at all at the moment, but it's the third guy who takes a huge, huge drop down. Now, I had Beal, I think, in about the 50s or 60s in drafts, and obviously that has not worked out. I couldn't foresee a random back injury, um, but I obviously just wasn't as aggressive on dropping down some of his scoring stuff or usage stuff because he's been nowhere near that. But I don't think we expect Brad Beal to stay at 16-5-5, five, five, hitting one three a game with one steal and 0.3 blocks. He's at 46 from the field, 23 from three, and 67 from the line. Another one of those things that people always seem to assume as well is that, well, now he's going to have less usage, so we'll get wide open looks and everything's going to go in at a higher rate. And I'm telling you, I haven't actually, maybe I'll find a way to do this in the offseason, but anecdotally, that doesn't happen. Like You do not see these, well, now he's with better players, so therefore all his efficiency rises. That just doesn't happen as a general rule. And it definitely hasn't happened for Brad Beal, whose true shooting number is lower than it was when he was playing on whatever that was of the Wizards team last season. There are very few obvious things here, though, with Beal. 67% from the line over his last eight games. Like, come on. My guy was at 84 last season, 83 the season before, 89 the season before that. He's somehow only at 74 for this season, and it's getting worse. It is, it is going to have to get better. And there is like 20 percentage points of scope to improve that. The other thing is, he's hitting 23% of his threes. I'm not going to say that Brad Beal is the best three-point shooter in the world, because he's not. 37 last season, 30 the year before that, 35 the year before that. He's at 35 this year. But 23%, mate, like that's 1.1 threes a game. He, he needs to get more of them up to begin with. He needs to start hitting two to two and a half a game. I don't know if he will, but that's what this team does need. But that percentage just isn't going to hold. You get your free throws up, you get your three-pointers up, that improves your scoring, your field goal percentage, your free throw percentage, your three-pointers made, and he rockets back up. I think he will be top 80 to top 70 rest of season. Feel okay about that. I don't think you need to give up that at the moment because he hasn't shown it really at all. Um, has his name value dropped enough where you can get him at a cheaper price? I think in some situations, yes. I'd be looking at uh, acquiring Beal for a top 90 player, even though obviously he's well worse than that at the moment. So if you can go lower, you go lower. But I feel good that those two things will improve significantly. Those two percentages especially will improve significantly and that will bump him very comfortably back inside the top 90. That's my hope, and I uh, hope it works. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with me all through this season to deliver some of the best or some of the most mid-fantasy picks all season long. Whether it is you're prepping for your daily picks or you're looking at the waiver wire to add to your team, we're going to get you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So, who are we going to look at today? Let's talk about Josh the Hitman Hart in New York. There is no Julius Randle for the foreseeable future. Shout out to NBA coaches. There is um, also, last game, there was no OG Ananobi, and Hart is going to play a lot of minutes, like a lot. Don't be surprised if Josh Hart averages 41 minutes a night over the next three, four, five weeks. Is that going to be, like, is he going to be awesome and averaging 20 points a game? Nope. But he might be able to put in those 40 minutes, you know, 12 points, nine rebounds, Four assists, 1.5 steals, solid percentages, and be a top 100 guy relatively comfortably. This is the opportunity. We have been inconsistent with his minutes, and now it's ready to bump up. That could be something that does really push you up the standings in the short term. And eBay Motors knows that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, and that 
is the same with your vehicle. You've got over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die at eBay Motors, and that can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever it is that your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you are burning rubber and not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to US customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. Let's um, let's go through now. That's the two by first two by lows done. Let's do another one. Let's head to Miami, and we're going to talk about Tyler Hero. Now, a couple of things to talk about here with Hero. Obviously, Terry Rozier has joined the team, and that's going to have some sort of an impact, mostly on Rozier. But there is a, a, a I guess a school of thought here that it would impact someone like Hero, and this is where you can use it to your advantage. I don't necessarily think that Rozier arriving has caused. Hero to drop down to 113th over the last two weeks, 124th on Yahoo, or 111th in Fantasy Points Leagues. But somebody else might. Somebody else that has Tyler Hero might think that. Oh, God, Rosie has killed him. Look at what these recent numbers are. And uh, they'd be happy to move on at a price that they probably shouldn't. He's averaging 17.9 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 3.3 assists only. 3.3 assists only. And again, the key part of this is, is that the 3.3 assists, again, you go, well, Rogier's handling the ball and getting it. That's cool. But in the last four games, he's averaging four assists. And it was the games before Rogier arrived, these assists were lower. But over the last two weeks, it turns into 3.3. So again, there is parts to pay attention to here, which can skew others' opinions. He's hitting a ton of threes, 3.7 of them. He hasn't had a single block in his last seven games. He's at 0.4 steals. And he's shooting 41 from the field. 38 from three. Hasn't missed a free throw. But there are a couple of things that are dragging the numbers down here. Hero's been relatively solid this season. He's like a top 70 player for the year. But this man has taken, what, three free throw attempts in his last seven games? It's great that he's shooting 100%. Don't get me wrong. I love that. Hasn't missed one. He's gone three of three from the line. Is it? Th- Let me just double check that, actually. Yeah, three of three from the line. He's at two of two in the last four games. And in the previous three games, he was one of one. That's great. For the season, his overall value in free throw percentage, hitting 85% of them, is higher than what it has been the last two weeks because he just hasn't taken any. So we can afford a few misses. Just get to the line more, my guy. And is that a Terry Rozier thing? I don't think so. It's just a weird downturn in his overall free throw attempts. The other thing is that like this man is averaging one steal a game. You might say, well, I don't think of Tyler Hero as a steals guy. Fine, you shouldn't. One steal is not super strong. Like It's... About average. Interestingly, average for steals, I think last season was 1.1. This season, average for steals is under one. That's an interesting development across the NBA. But he was at 0.8 last season. He is at 0.7 the year before that. He's at um, 0.4 over his last seven games. That's three total steals over his last seven games. It does not take much to luck into a little bit more than that. He can easily get you like three more steals over a seven-game period and push you to almost one a game. And that, we know, influences overall ranking. So you do that, you get to the line a couple more times, you use the fact that people be worried about the Rogier scenario, and you can get him, I think, I say top 90 there, I think you could probably throw a top 100 player at Hero, given the fact that his recent stretch of form has not been particularly strong, and then there's the return of Butler, and the return of Rogier on top of that. And like, it's not, this guy... It, Again, people will say, well, Butler's back. He's not going to be good. He, he was 63rd last season and 61st the year before that. And Butler played. Like last season especially, he played a lot. So I don't think that that's the case. 
I think it's one of those coincidental situations that you can switch or you can uh, twist to your advantage. We'll go back to Denver now. We'll talk about another guard. We'll talk about the headmaster, Jamal Murray, who is 66th over the last two weeks. And you might say, okay, Josh, is that really terrible? No, not really. It's pretty good. He's 46th on Yahoo. He's 41st in fantasy points, averaging 40 fantasy points a game. It's all pretty good. I just think he's better. And there are people who will, will look at that and go, well, maybe he's not better. And uh, that's cool. You, that We can have that opinion and we'll see how it pans out. He's averaging 24 points, 4.4 rebounds and almost seven assists. Really good number. 6.9, in fact. 2.9 triples, 0.9 steals and 0.3 blocks. Automatically go, ooh, okay. And remember, these low volume stats are things that highly influence ranking numbers, but also can have a big influence in a week-to-week category matchup. They are very high variance, they are very low volume, and they can swing things a lot. So when you see someone coming in at 0.4 steals, you go, well, there's no way, right? He's not he's not that steals guy, is he? And the answer is no, he's not. He averaged one steal a game last season. He averaged 1.3 steals a game the season before. He's at 0.8 steals this season. So it's, it's double. Like He could easily double that number. He could honestly triple that number in a month's worth of games coming up. Like very easily. And again, we look at him. He's shooting 49 from the field. That's really good, man. 40% from three. 41% from three. He's killing it. 80% from the line. Really, really strong numbers from Jamal Murray. True shooting 58%. That's really good. Except 80% from the line from Jamal Murray isn't good. He's at 85.7 for the season. He was at 83 last season. He was at 87 the year before that. So you go from a guy who's one of his main category strengths. If we look at his um, value for the season in fantasy, his number one category is assists. His number two category is points. And his number three category is free throw percentage because he's going 86% at three and a half attempts. That's his third best fantasy category. So over the last seven games, he's at 80%. That is a complete average number. Like bang on, 80% is average. So it's not his best category. It turns into his like fourth or fifth best category over that time. And it doesn't take much to push that from 80 back to 85, which then we know improves your scoring an extra point or so as well. Get the extra steals in there. I think he very comfortably, like he's already a top 40 player this season per game. I think he's, if you might be able to get him for top 50. You might, because historically he hasn't been in uh, as a top 30 player. We've seen him in the playoffs, but what he's doing at the moment is a little mid. It's not great. If I could get him as a top for a top 50 guy, I would. I think he could be top 30-ish or top 35 rest of season. But also, I don't have to acquire him. It's all about trying to gauge the temperature of the guy that might have Jamal Murray before you try and get him and see how frustrated they are, where they are in their standings, how willing they are to make um, uh, rash decisions. Because you might be able to just sneak 20 spots of value out of him. It's not a huge one. And that one, when we do the recap of this in two weeks, it might not work out. That's cool. But I, I do think that there is value in him. Let's go for the last buy low. And we're going to go to Dallas. No, we're not. Dallas. Oh, Jesus Christ. I know. Wow. Dallas. No, we're not. We're actually going to the Lakers. Was that a Freudian slip of a trade coming? No, it's not. Um, Austin Reeves is um, a, a very weird player. He was one of those players who, in the offseason, I thought that I was going to end up being lower on him than consensus. And in the end, I ended up being higher on him, which I didn't really know how that happened because I looked at a lot of his numbers and went, okay, this man is not going to be um, the insane level of two-point finisher that he was. He was 63% on twos last season. I thought this is not really going to stick, but somehow I ended up higher than him. I had him around the 90 mark. And it hasn't been a great run at of late. 124th in minus one, 
87th on Yahoo, interestingly, 118th in points with 27 fantasy points, averaging 13.6, three rebounds, a very robust 5.4 assists playing in the starting line with Russell and LeBron. That's interesting. 1.6 dribbles, one steal, 0.1 blocks, shooting 45, 33, and 89. Part of the reason is, is that two-point percentage, which I wasn't convinced was going to hold, has not held. But it's also dropped way below what we expect. He's at 55% on twos in the last two weeks. Now, like I said, he was at 63 last season on twos. And I just, I had doubts about that. But if we go back and look at what's happened for him over the last 28 games, he's at 61% from two. He's at 59 overall for the season. So that 54, 54.8 is actually low. So maybe he is just an elite two-point finisher. He's like a 70 plus percent rim guy. His mid-range shooting is really good. It's just dipping. So while the 63% was a little fake, maybe it wasn't as fake as I expected. And he's just in a downturn here. He's also, again, this seems like it's small, but he's averaging three rebounds over the last two weeks. It's a really low number. Is this guy a strong rebounder? No. He's averaging four for the season. Well, that's nothing, Josh. It's not, but it's also like a, he's lost a quarter of his rebound totals over the last two weeks. And when we're talking about always just accumulating little things in a nine-category league, it's just accumulating little bits and pieces. And when one of those things loses a quarter, it drops down your overall value. Like he's at 45 from the field. That can jump up very easily. You know, he's at 48 for the season. He could have a 50, 50% shooting run. There is the specter of a trade. Does that mean DeJounte comes in or Russell goes out or what they do? But there are so many different ways that his role can change. But even in all of that sort of stuff happening, because I didn't even mention that he's at 17.8 usage down from 20. Because I'm thinking like if a trade happens, he might stay low usage. But there are other ways for his value to improve. It's just hit twos better. Hit them like you've done the entirety of your career outside the last two weeks. Get an extra rebound. Not a hard thing to do. And he's done it a lot. Like last season, he had three rebounds a game in only under 29 minutes. So again, we've got a, a real track record of him being a better per minute and per game rebounder than what he's showing. And all of that easily puts you back inside the top 100. I say target top 90. I don't even know if you need to do that, to be honest. You might need. You might be able to do a top 100 and get him for that. And I would, uh, I would look into acquiring him. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn is a site that gives you a vast network of more than a billion professionals because in 2024, as a small business owner, getting the right staff enables or is... is to a, well, let me, what am I trying to say here? Is that when you're trying to get the best out of your business, you need the best staff. And getting your job ad and your business in front of the best people, the best professionals is the best way of doing that. And that's where LinkedIn Jobs comes in. Small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And why is that? Well, 86% of small businesses say that they get a qualified candidate within 24 hours of posting their job on LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn knows that small businesses and small business owners are wearing so many different hats and you may not have the time to devote to the proper hiring process. But LinkedIn can help you by just getting the right people in front of you to make the correct decisions. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now we go into the sell high portion of the show. So let's look at Luka Doncic because in the in the preseason, I was very adamant. And yes, you know, you could put Luka Doncic on the, the your um 
bust draft bust show because it gets it gets people talking and and in to watch the show. But I was very very clear about what I was talking about with Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic's ADP at the beginning of the season was number three. That was the that was the second highest ADP. Jokic was at one, and then Doncic was at three. So people on average were drafting him. I said it's number three, but he was going as the second best player in fantasy drafts. And my point with Doncic was I would never take him at number two or number three in a fantasy draft. Why? Well, in category leagues, he has never been anywhere near that level. And secondly, in the fantasy playoffs, he had a two-game week. And if he was far and away better than other players, then I would be okay with dealing with that. And yes, you've got to get to the playoffs. But what my main point was is that Jokic, Embiid, Shea, and Halliburton, I thought were all either equivalent or better to better than Doncic. So I'm definitely not going to take Doncic ahead of those guys with some of his um, category struggles with the two-game playoff week, with the gigantic load that he was carrying through the World Cup and injury risk and all that sort of stuff. I also did say, hey, well, maybe you could consider even like looking at a Jason Tatum ahead of him. Now, in the end, he was the fifth guy for me for Doncic, but yeah, even having Tatum in that discussion was clearly wrong, like very, very clearly wrong. But saying that Luka shouldn't be picked at number two or number three, I believe was 100% correct, and I will stand by that. Because if I go have a look now at that week and look at the projections for that week, Luka projects as like the 56th best player in that week where they play two games. And he can't actually get better because he can't play more than two games during that week. He can't do it. And again, if he was very clearly better, which he was very clearly better than the guys at 7, 8, 9, 10, that's where you take him, right? But is it better to have someone who's relatively equivalent, like Embiid, who's been the number one player at times this season, Jokic, who's been the number one player at times this season, Halliburton, who's been a top four guy this season, obviously injured at the moment. Shea, who's been the number one guy for most of the season. Is Doncic better than those guys? No. Is he equivalent to those guys? I guess you could make that argument at times. But let me, now, now we are getting here. We are like six or seven weeks away from that two-game week for Doncic, and he is putting up unbelievable numbers. He is a ridiculously good player. He's first in minus one over the last two weeks. He's only fourth on Yahoo, interestingly. And even for the season, per game minus one ranks, he's fifth which would also suggest that taking him at three maybe wasn't the right call. He's averaging 76 fantasy points, an absurd amount of fantasy points. But this is where you cash in. People think that I hate Luka Doncic. Like, you couldn't be more wrong. Like, you just could not be more wrong with Doncic. I've always had him higher than the majority of people for category league ranks because I don't go by straight nine cat or include turnovers, and I understand the value of punting. I've always been that guy. How many arguments have I gotten into people about the fact that when people argue me, I'd rather have Robert Williams than Luka Doncic. Oh, Doncic has never been a top 30. Okay, you guys are ridiculous, and that's not how our fantasy works. But it went too far this season where people were looking at him with that two-game play. And again, if he didn't have the two-game playoff schedule, wouldn't have had no problem with him going at two or three. None whatsoever. He's averaging 41 points over the last two weeks, 11.3 rebounds, and 11.7 assists. These are obviously ridiculous numbers. He is shooting, or he's hitting 3.33s with 1.7 steals and 0.8 blocks. So not only is he bringing the insane PRAs, points, rebounds, assists, not only is he bringing a ton of threes, but now he's bringing defensive stats as well. Okay. And he's hitting 51% from the field, 35 from three, and 79 from the line, which those numbers, they're not, they're not egregious, the threes and free throws. So what's going on here? Well, 41.4 minutes a night. I don't care who you are. 
I don't care who he is and Jason Kidd and all that sort of stuff. He will not hold these minutes. Kidd said he needed to play him less than 46 a game. Like, obviously, you need to play him less than 46. And he played him 43. But his minutes are up at the moment because, A, they need him, and B, Kyrie is out. So these minutes are way up. He's at 37.5 for the season. He might stay at 37 or 38 for the year. That is totally reasonable. It's very different to 41, though, which 41 is so far above anybody in the NBA that it's not funny. He's also averaging 11.7 assists. I'm not here to deny that Luka Doncic is a great assist player because he is, very clearly. Last season, he averaged eight assists per game. This season, he's at 9.5. The last six games, he has put in these insane numbers. 10, 13, 9, 7. But it is really skewed by the fact that he's had 31 assists in his last two games. 31 assists in his last two games. That has pushed those numbers through the roof. There is a lot of love for Doncic, and I'm right at the front of that list. I love Luka Doncic. But now is the time. If you get a top four player, Jokic, would I look at Embiid with his knee problem? I would feel better about Embiid, honestly, for that playoff week than I would with Doncic. Would I get Shea? 100% I would. Could you, get, could you trade Luca away and get Halliburton plus something else back? Yes, I think you could. I think you almost definitely could. This is the time to cash in. People don't understand how bad a two-game week can be in the playoffs. And while this guy is cooking at the moment, again, him in that two-game week is not a top 50 player. Some, there is, when you look at that list of projections, which of course, it's a long way out, so that can change. But some of the names that project higher just because of volume is insane. Like the names are crazy of how much how better these guys can be like you could make an argument that if Terry Rozier played four games to Lucas two, he might actually be a better player in that week. And I know that sounds stupid, but it is true. That is a possibility. That is how bad a two-game week hurts you. So if you can turn it into a Shea, into Jokic, into like maybe Embiid, into Halliburton Plus, this is the time to do it. And I know you will argue against this. And I know you say, well, you're just saying it because you told us he was a bust and you would never draft him ever and you'd never touch him ever in the world ever. And he's just so bad. Which is not what I said at all. What I said was, don't take him in the top four. Maybe debated at five, but definitely don't take him in the top four. And I stand by it. And now, if you do have him, try and cash in. Malcolm Brogdon. The... Um, what's the word? The trajectory of Brogdon's been pretty weird because, what, three weeks ago, he was playing 17 minutes a night as their fourth guard. He went, all right, that's right, I'm not holding on to that. It makes sense. They're playing Sharp. They're playing Simons. They're playing Scoot. All these guys are part of their future and Brogdon's not. And they said, e- scratch that. Don't worry about the young blokes. Sharp's got hurt, uh, gotten hurt. So we're just going to give the most minutes on our team to um, injury risk legend Malcolm Brogdon. Okay, Chauncey, cool. Good for you. That doesn't make any sense, but it happened. And he's actually been really, really good. 34th in minus one rankings over the last two weeks. 17th on Yahoo. That's an insane number. Averaging 39 fantasy points. 21 real points. Five rebounds. Seven assists. 2.3 triples. 0.7 steals. 0.6 blocks. 48. 44 from three. 97 from the line. Here's where it's very obvious to me. If I can get a top 100 player back for Brogdon, I'd do it immediately. This time next week, he might not be on this team. Shaden Sharp returns. He's playing 24 minutes a night probably. And when we get into the start of March, he might play under 20 a night. He's at 28 minutes a night for the season, and even that's high. He's at 35 the last two weeks. These are insane numbers for Malcolm Brogdon, who, again, has been awesome. But it's not going to hold. I feel very confident about that. Maybe I'm wrong. Cool. I'm very confident about it. He's at 96.8 from the line. So 
irrespective of how much usage they're giving him, he's not going to miss one free throw every two weeks. He's at 82.9 for the season. Still a very respectable number, a very good number, but it's not 97. He was 87 last season, also not 97. He was 86 the year before that. Guess what? It's not 97. And that's carrying a lot of what he's doing. His usage is not that high, 23.8%. He's shooting 44% from three. Guess what he shot last season? 44% from three. The year before, 31, of course. He's at 42 from three. So I'm not even telling you that that three-point percentage is completely outsized. What I'm telling you is, is that 21 points, 35 minutes, 97 from the line, is this could be one of the biggest cuts that you see to any player. And while you will probably lose in the short term, and there is a risk that you lose in the long term as well if they continue down whatever this path is. They don't trade him and they make Malcolm Brogdon the focus of their team. Again, an insane thought, but it might be something they do. I feel pretty good they're not going to do it though. Top 100, I'd be trying to get back for Brogo. Um, let's go to Golden State. Let's get our buckets out and let's talk Johnny Kaminga. His numbers are a little bit different and I do need to talk about them. But over the last two weeks, he is 13th. Obviously, the Warriors had a period where they didn't play, and that's why his totals number on Yahoo for those last two weeks puts him 157th. But let's forget about that part of it because people know to ignore that, I would hope. 43 fantasy points, which puts him 21st. He's averaging 26 real points, 7 rebounds, 2.3 assists. Has John Kaminga evolved? Has this elite talent really figured it out? That's what people... And there are two camps of people. There are the people who are like... Yeah, he's a young star. He's totally going to take over. This is what we've always believed in. And then there's me who goes, I don't know. He has improved a lot. There's no question about that. It is, what, year three for Kaminga? Third season, and you would have hoped you would have seen a bit more flashes from this. I understand the team structure is a little bit different. But it doesn't take much, and I'm included in this. If you fully believe in what Kaminga has been as a prospect and as a rookie and as a second-year player and as a third-year player, if you believe, now this is a real star coming, any little bit of evidence that you find that would show you that that is the case, you will believe it. And I am the same, whether it's a player that I really like or a player that I don't really like. I'll find one, I can find things easily and go, well, look, there you go. He's not good. Right? I can do that. I try to be objective, but sometimes it's really hard to do. And I'm not trying to do this with Kaminga because I don't think he's an elite prospect. So I think he's improved a lot. I think he'll be a solid enough player. I don't think he's going to be a superstar by any means, but he has improved. 26, 7, and 2. 1.3 dribbles, 1.7 steals, 0.7 blocks. He's shooting 67% from the field. He's shooting 57% from three and 71 from the line. 57% from three. Come on. You know how much that skews everything. He's at 69% from two. He's at 60 for the season. He was at 59 last season, 60 the year before that. 60, 61, reasonable. I might even say that he's improved a lot. He's at 64 over his last 24 games. Maybe he's that. 69 to 64 is actually a sizable difference. And then you throw in the 57% three-point shooter. Now, I could also believe that he's a 37% three-point shooter because that's what he's been over the last 24 games. I will I will grant you that. He might be that. But he shot, like he shot 37 last season. He, he might be that. He's not 57. He's not 69 from the line. He's running a true shooting of 73. Like he's not that either. And then the steals. He averaged, and it's, you can't do it per minute because he's been in a small role. So let's look at per 36. And if it was per 36 and you were looking at it, it was a small difference. You go, okay, that's fine. Makes makes complete sense. But his per 36 this season is one. One steal per 36. His per 36 steals last season was 1.1. His per 36 steals as a rookie was 0.9. His um, per 36 steals the last three games is 
So, yeah. That is not going to hold. He's not. He's going to be like a 1 to 0.9 steals per game player. So, 3-point percentage through the roof. Steals through the roof. 2-point percentage through the roof. Usage, 24%. Man, that can hold. I think that's fine. Minutes, 20. He's at 34. That's probably on the high side. I just don't see him as this top 20 player. I do think that he can have a top 100 run here. He's impressed me enough for me to be pretty confident in minutes for him. But I think you might even be able to get a top 60, 70 guy back for him at the moment. Now, if I've, if I've got him, I'm just going to enjoy what's happening. But if I can get a locked in top 50, top 60 player, I'll do that. Otherwise, I just enjoy it. I don't have to move on from him. Let's go to Chicago and let's talk about the rabbit hunter, Alex Caruso. So again, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to sell high on players that I don't like or don't believe in or I think is fluking it because I fully believe in Alex Caruso and I've been telling you he's a must roster player for weeks, weeks, literal weeks. But this is not real. Like this level is not real. 55th over the last two weeks for Caruso, 59th on Yahoo. He's at 93 fantasy points. That's also 93rd in fantasy points with 30 a game. Averaging 12, 3.8, and 3.4. Nothing spectacular there, but it's the other stuff that he does. 2.8 triples, crazy. 1.4 steals and 1.8 blocks. He's at 49 from the field, 41 from three, 41 from three, and 75 from the line. Now, you can say that Crusoe's not a good shooter, and I, I tend to agree, except he's at 42% for the entire season. I'm not really sure I'd buy that, but 39, maybe? So that's not even an egregious number. What is egregious is finishing 78% of his twos. 56 last season, 61 this season, 59 over his last 23 games, 78 over the last two weeks. That's just not a two-point percentage that's got any reality of holding. That's maybe a 20 percentage point drop coming on those. He's also a really good defender. Is he a guy that averages 1.8 blocks? Like, Of course not. These are crazy numbers. He was at 0.7 blocks last season in 24 minutes. We can even do the per 36s on those. Last season, per 36 blocks... Oh my God, that's an embarrassing number. Um, oh no, last season per 36 blocks, 1.1. The year before, point, uh, per 36 blocks, 0.5. The last five games, per 36 blocks, 2.1. It's a huge, huge run. So what's happened? Well, he's gone three, two, and one blocks the last three games. He's had two three-block games in his last seven games. For the entirety of the season, he has had no other three-block games. So he's just got two little chunk games that have boosted everything up. If I could get a top 75 player back for Crusoe, I would do it. Otherwise, I just enjoy what's happening. I, again, he's a very clear must roster player for me. He's, a, I think, a top 100 guy pretty comfortably. But if I could turn it into a, a more solid top 75 guy, I would. And lastly, we go to San Antonio. And we talk about Trey Jones, a guy that, again, struggled earlier on in the season. But they're starting him. I don't think they're going to change that around. But it's also worth noting because there are a lot, a lot of Trey Jones truthers. I think Trey Jones is a backup point guard on a solid team. He's been really good for this team, no question about it. But the people who really buy into Trey Jones as this elite guy will give you the numbers and look at what he's done recently and go, see, why didn't they start him the whole season? See, look at these numbers, look how good he is. And I'm just here to poke a few holes in that. He's 20th on Yahoo over the last two weeks, like clearly insane. 62nd minus one and 80th in fantasy points, averaging 32. 11.4 points, 3.4 rebounds, 8.4 assists. That's huge. 1-3, 1.6 steals, zero blocks. 54, 39, and 100 from the field, from the three, from the line. He's at 39% from three. Don't know Trey Jones' three-point shooting numbers his uh, career. Um, his first season, he didn't 
play a huge amount. He played seven minutes a game. He shot 60%, doesn't count. He shot 19% the next season as a rotation player. He shot 29% last season as a starter, and he's at 29% this season. The thing is that he has just bumped it up over the last seven games to be at 39%, and he's actually at 67% over the last three games. The volume's relatively low. That is going to cool off. The other thing is, we look at him and go, he's this great steals guy. Is he? He hasn't been. He's at one steal per game for the season. He's running at 1.6 the last two weeks. And all that stuff, that level of efficiency, the two-point shooting, which is at 64% from two over his last two months when he was at 51 last season, that is a huge difference. Again, happy to bake in that he's improved in that area, improved his efficiency. That happens to third and fourth-year players. We see those improvements a lot. But three-point shooting that much, two-point shooting that much, not missing free throws, big steals, all that combining at the same time pushes him way up the rankings. If I could get a top 70 guy back for Trey Jones, I would. Understanding that getting high assists is a really rare thing to do. So maybe you don't do that. It's about turning it into a more secure, higher level point guard. Because at the moment, there's a lot that's happening that isn't probably going to hold at that sort of a level. Although it could. It always could. And that brings me to the end of the buy low, sell high, up and down value show, however you want to phrase it. Don't forget, go ahead and give that thumbs up. Subscribe. Check out the Trade Deadline Show, which is coming up in uh, under 10 days, Thursday, February 8th, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go and do all that stuff, guys. We're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.